Uh, hi, this is Atmo, and you're listening to The Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to the Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. All right, welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. Today we have a very special guest. Yes, we do. Eric, please introduce. It's your thing. Welcome to the show, Admo. Thank you for joining us. <clears throat> Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for being on the show. Uh, we we were having such great conversations uh, prior to the show that are obviously not music related at all. Um, and it was good so we had we had to get into it um but a- as we're you know we're getting going um i think the one of the most important things i think that people are going to tune into the show and want to hear about is the new album that you're working on and you know well when that's going to be released and in some background about it if you wouldn't mind uh, you know giving us some details what you're willing to give to us let's get right into it yeah let's just get right there yeah sure sure so uh i it's like technically it's the first album i've done really before this my previous stuff was never really envisioned as like one solid piece of work it was always just tracks that i've made that then got compiled into like an album but it was never like something that was thought out from start to finish to be you know a solid body of work um so this one, uh, Flying Colors, it, it, I started it back in 2019, which is a really long time ago when you think about everything that's happened. Uh, and the first track was Still Healing. That was the first single from it. Um, if you check out the artwork on that, you can actually you can see that it's the artwork of, of the album, just manipulated a bit. Uh, but then uh, a lot happened between 2019 and where we're sitting now in 2022. A couple uh, things. Including all the obvious... Yeah, all the obvious <laughs> stuff that everyone knows. Uh, but I also lost the whole album once, so my PC decided to uh, break. Ow. And I lost I lost everything with no backups. So all that remained from the original album is uh, Still Healing and the single, which is Flying Colors, which is why the album's called that, because <laughs> it's like the, the only <laughs> ones that remained. And yeah, the rest of the album, I had to uh, build it up from scratch, pretty much. And... Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was difficult, but it, it was difficult. But it's done now, and I'm pretty happy with it. Can I ask? Did you learn your lesson and buy a backup hard drive? Uh, yeah. Well, I actually went a step beyond. I use uh, Backblaze now. The uh, so you know, free shout out to uh, Backblaze. There, the uh, they do backups online, which is really good because they just back it up your entire drive onto one of their servers, and then if anything ever happens, they just send you. The hard drive and it's just like cool that's my pc they as it basically was send you a hard like, drive yeah yeah of like your entire computer too it's very cool wow. that's yeah. a we need to like take that as a pro tip that's a great service this is not the cloud yeah. this is real shit i have mm-hmm. like two i have three backups t- typically of all the shit that i actually want to save like i'll put it on two extra hard drives and then i'll burn it to a physical media of some sort, like either USB or a CD ROM of shit that I actually like, I need to keep this. Not, not our show because that's not, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mostly of our show. Oh, uh, 
Um, wow, that's really... So it's interesting. It sucks. I'm sorry that that happened. Did you try to recapture the album or did you just go, fuck it, I'm just going to start over again and it is the present you? Yeah, pretty much the second option. I, I like The way that I work anyway with tracks is that I don't really put a lot of like planning or thought into it. It's more about just capturing a moment in time of what I'm feeling at that point. Sometimes it's not very good. Sometimes it's okay. But the point is, like, it would be extremely difficult for me to go back and try and recreate a song because often I don't really think about what I'm doing when I'm doing it. It's uh, it's it's more of a process of just, like, trying to capture, like, lightning in a bottle type of thing. And if it's good, then it's great. But if it's just, like, whatever, then it's just whatever. <laughs> no, I think that's that's a really refreshing way. I it, it reminds me of how I, when I made music, I did the same thing. I just chased a feeling sometimes it mm -hmm. was a baseline sometimes it was a drum sometimes it was a sound sometimes it was a chord and then i just completed that thought and it could be good or it could be bad or whatever and um and it just was what it was in that moment and so i think that's a, a fairly pure way of working as opposed to like prog rock guys who take seven years to craft a song you're like here's you in that you moment make sure the math adds up Right, right, right. The golden ratio has got to be correct. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I think in the past, it would have made more sense. I mean, people can do this if they want. But in the past, like, you did have to work at a slower rate because of the technology was not able to keep up with the speed of, like, our brains giving out, like, all these creative ideas. Whereas now, if your computer's fast enough and you got the technology to do it, it can kind of match the speed and you can just bang, 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 bang. That's what I try and do is try and, like, out, make as much music as I possibly can, and then like I'll go through the ones that I've done and be like, okay, that's an actual track. Nice. But generally, I don't really spend a huge amount of time like making the tracks themselves. I don't, I don't think about it. I don't like plan it out. I just kind of jam, and then if it goes past an eight-bar loop, which is what sometimes I get stuck in, just like you know, just the same old loop mm -hmm. over and over again. Once you extend out of that, it becomes an actual song. But yeah, generally, I don't spend more than like an hour on each track. After that, it gets like refined, I guess. But yeah, it's normally pretty quick. I just want to say, like, first and foremost, you make good music. I like your music. I appreciate Thank your you. music. So I just wanted to like put that out there. You do good things. Um, and oh. I'm, I'm impressed by that answer. I like that. I appreciate that. Um, how you do your process and everything is different. And, um, and so that's... That's really cool. I have. So you said this is the first time you sat down and said, I'm going to make an album start to finish with an idea. Uh, did you have like, were you chasing like a feeling or an actual idea or a theme or because like it almost is contradictory to how you've made music in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess originally it was an idea of like just wanting to make the best music i possibly could but then the album after everything that happened it became a bit more like autobiographical i suppose and i used it more as like a journal i guess so it sort of journals how i'm feeling during the time and the titles of the track all sort of mirror things that i'm feeling at that time and it's over the span of yeah two years some of the tracks even jump 
um, like two years in the track, maybe even three or four years in some of the tracks, because it, like the intro is from 2019 and then it jumps to like 2021, 2022. Yeah, where you, you picked it up and, and finished it. Um, yeah. So is your do you want when people listen to your music, do you want them to like experience it emotionally? Because it seems like you're working from a really like pure, non necessarily logical part and more of a feeling part. And is that how you want people to relate to the, your music? Is it in an emotional way? Yeah, there's there's two things I try and strive for when making music, which is trying to translate the feelings of what I'm experiencing into, you know, a wordlessness form to where people can understand what I was going through, hopefully, at the time, or, you know, take that and relate it to their own lives through through with, with no words. That's the hard part. Is I, I try and do what uh, songwriters do with lyrics. I try and make that into the tracks, so into the sounds. So trying to convey, you know, some complex emotional feelings into just pure sound. And then the second thing I try and do is I just want to make people go, how, how do you do that? I don't understand. How did that sound get made? Nice. Nice. I, I how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Every track is different. Every time I don't have like a, um, I don't have like a preset on Ableton. I don't have like anything uh, set up when I open up a new project. It's just completely blank. So whatever the structure to go from point A of a blank slate to point B of a finished track, it, it's all got to be done from scratch every time. I can appreciate that. Some people you know right away, it's like, this is this person's music because of this sound. And they use that all the time. So I like that. Yeah. Well, well I, I like to think that I am the preset. Like, no. the preset is already built into me. So yeah. whatever tool I'm using is just getting that out. So I don't, necessarily think that having you know all these things set up in order to play it as i want it you know it doesn't need to be there immediately because it's already within me and i can just get it through and then i can get it out and that's how it works for me this is a viewpoint i can get behind <laughs> <laughs> you appreciate you appreciate this it's good i don't know how it works but i like it yeah that's the that's the good thing is that you can't you can't figure out how to do it that's the mystery how do you do it we don't know. It just comes out as it is. And it's, yeah, it, I think music's more interesting when you don't know the end result always, both for the listener and for the like creator of the experience. Cause it's like, it's, it's the magic of music, isn't it? It's like, mm -hmm. it's its own entity. It's its own energy. It should be just standing by itself and just doing its own thing. And if you know all the answers of, Oh, they use this kick and this snare, and this was EQ'd at this exact frequency, like all that stuff is just, technicalities like the main thing is just to get the music across in the best way possible for sure do you have a musical background or is this something that you've just got into uh yeah i i've been playing music kind of all my life really um i started pretty young when i was about probably like five or six i started playing violin my parents got me on violin so i was playing that for like maybe a year or two and then I, my like teacher changed, and I didn't like them, so I gave up the violin. Hear that? Uh, that seems then like I a, got. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> say, that, like, that seems like cool. a very intense instrument to get into that young. Yeah, yeah, 
it was actually fun. I, I want to get another one because I think I can still remember how to play a lot of it. But uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, but yeah, when my teacher changed, it was just not fun anymore. So I stopped. And then um, my parents got me on keyboards, so like piano. And, you know, they made me make, I have to learn songs like, you know, Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, ABBA. Like just like random like pop songs from like the last, you know, 30 or 40 years. So I can sort of play them a little bit and, you know, I had to like do performances in front of my school friends and all that. And that was my first real exposure to like doing music. And again, I didn't really like it. Like it wasn't really hitting me in terms of like, wow, this is music and this is what I want to do. Uh, where it all really changed was when I got uh, the game MTV Music Generator 2. That was when that was on PS2, that game. So uh, MTV gave out a little like, it's like a DAW basically. And you just drop in like loops and stuff. And yeah, I just remember making like crappy little tracks and just being like, wow, this is really fun. I, I want to do this. Uh, and then around that same time, I picked up the guitar as well. So that's where I really found an instrument that I like to play. So I just kind of learned how to play all my favorite songs on guitar. So bands like Oasis and the Stone Roses and Nirvana. Like I see the uh, Nirvana record at the background. I was screaming in my head Oasis. <laughs> and you said it right away. <laughs> yes. Well I'm, well, I'm from Manchester, so I'm from the same town. It makes uh, sense. Oasis. Yeah. Same town as uh, Joy Division as well, New Order. So I'm a big fan of those guys as well. So nice so, it's my pedigree yeah. there's a lot to live up to apparently i'm pleasantly pleased right? oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but then after after like doing uh guitar it I, I was really interested in synthesizers but they were always too expensive for me like my guitars were only like my dad's hand-me-downs so i only i never really had any music instruments myself until my uncle gave me like a bass guitar and that was a really crappy thing uh, but that got me like my first instrument was actually bass like that I would say that I really enjoyed so I played this really crappy old bass guitar and I was like okay I didn't really understand what bass was because I was about 12 or 13 I remember like pointing on the TV and being like I can't I can't even hear any bass because you know little TV speakers don't have much lower yeah so I was like I don't really understand what the bass player is doing because I can't hear anything <laughs> but then over that, so I, I played bass a bit, and then I got my own bass, and then I had uh, guitars. But yeah, I was always interested in synthesizers, but I just could never afford one because they're just expensive. So I, um, I, I first started experimenting with like electronic music uh, on the video game Little Big Planet. You ever, you ever heard of Little Big Planet? Oh yeah, on a PlayStation Three. So I made a sequencer in there. So the game it didn't have a sequencer but you could create stuff on it. And I figured out that there was a way that you could, you know, get something like a play, like a play grid and you can get it through and it can trigger samples. And then if you put things down, it can like set off, like you can make like a little song. So that was my first real experience with that. <laughs> then I got my own laptop and then I'd started making synthesizer music with VSTs and Ableton. It sounds like you find the most difficult ways possibly <laughs> to like get into electronic music like whatever you could find that's not even meant for the for making music you're like i'm gonna fucking figure this out and do something basically yeah well i, I knew that i i knew the things were out there that 
would have made it a lot easier for me to make music, but that's not what I had at the time. I just had a PS3 and a copy of Little Big Planet. I, I didn't have my own laptop then. I had like the family computer that like had GarageBand on it, I guess. But I remember once actually I tried making like a loop out of Daft Punk in a garage sure, band. Yeah. Or I might have made like I might have made like a cover version of something about us in Garage Band, and it was probably pretty bad. But that was my first ever experience with like a DAW. Yeah. <laughs> I also appreciate that you call it a DAW rather yeah. than a DAW. Yeah. Oh, a DAW. <laughs> I mean, I call it whatever. I call it whatever my brain thinks of at the very specific moment. I guess DAW, DAW. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you're saying the it's an abbreviation, so... You're... The first time I heard someone say DAW, like, I'm a clueless person. I was like, I don't know what the fuck this person is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learned now, though. You're learned. Uh, I've gotten to that. Point. That's good. I've made a slight turn. And, and so, you know, it's interesting. You, you're obviously influenced by the local music pedigree that you have. And then it sounds like you're, you're getting into like electronic music, daft punk. I mean, when, I mean, what was the point where you're like, you know, what, I need to make electronic music. Like when did that really like, hook into you and be like this is this is where it's at so, so i used to have uh, like one of my first jobs was working at a place called b&q i don't know if you've heard of it yeah it's very much like home home depot yep. in the u.s B- yep. b&q is the same in the uk um <laughs> so i had a night shift there i used to work from uh 9 p.m till midnight five days a week just like straightening boxes um and i used the thing i was able to do was listen to music that was like what kept me sane and I remember I used to be listening to the guys like, uh, so it was it was Daft Punk, it was Aphex Twin, and it was Square Pusher. Those like three guys, they like were making stuff that I was just like, wow, like it was it was like what I was mentioning about not knowing how it's done and that that mystery of like how do they do that? Uh, and I I knew that I really needed to do something, which was when I every night I found myself just going over to the lighting section in B&Q listening to my music and just pretending to like make the beats by like pressing all the lights on enough, just like in sequence to the rhythms. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's when I was like, I was like, okay, I, I think I can do this. And then that's where it turned into uh, getting my own laptop. So I used the money from that job. I, I didn't enjoy it, but I kind of just quit it and then just uh, bought a laptop and sort of never looked back really. Nice. And it's, it's interesting because Aphex Twin Square Pusher is, I mean, it's definitely different from what you currently make. Um, so where, how did your own sound progress? You know, obviously you're like Aphex Twin Square Pusher. Amazing. Um, how'd you get so chill? Yeah. How, how'd that happen? <laughs> uh, I don't really know. Um, I guess just the music I've been making it just comes out like that. I don't, I don't really think about it very much. I like certain sounds, and sometimes they just sound really nice together. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it, really. So you've never... I mean, am I hearing it correctly that even from a... I like that you disappointed to your good ear, the one ear that yeah. you can hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're all on video, so you could see me and so so could Admo. Um, but what I'm hearing is that you've been compelled to just 
express yourself from a very young age and that when you got into making music it just turned out the way it was you weren't necessarily chasing a particular genre or sound it's just the expression the need to get whatever it is in your your mind out into music form yeah i think that's that's pretty accurate because if it wasn't if it wasn't going to be music it would have been something else like i mentioned the video game little big planet so i was like i was pretty young when i was playing that and part of the like that that strap line of that game is to uh play create and share and i've kind of i've kind of always like kept those like three methodologies pretty close like I like to play music, I like to listen to other people's stuff, I like to create my own music, and then I like to share it around. And that just kind of works really well as like a a system for getting things out. I felt like I was just stabbed slowly when you said I was very young. Because to me, like, Little Big Planet came out like just a little bit ago. (laughs) (laughs) And you were an adult. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They they actually added a music sequencer in Little Big Planet 2, which I was pretty happy with. And that's actually where I spent a lot more time. I think that was actually just before I got my laptop. I think when I was playing Little Big Planet 1, I made my I made my own sequencer. And then they brought out like a built-in sequencer into Little Big Planet 2. And that's where I uh yeah. I, I had like I put out a lot of stuff online if uh shout out to all the Little Big Planet people. Because I used to be uh part of the part of the scene of there. Nice. <laughs> It's your roots. You gotta, you gotta embrace those things. Um, yeah, that's right. So, you know, when you're choosing Dawes at this point, did you like DAWs? DAWs. <laughs> um, <laughs> were you like, did you do research? Did you go, well, this is what everyone's using? Did you experiment with different things? How did you land on uh, with So, a- Ableton's what I use. And it's just always been Ableton. Ableton was just like the first one that I really got. Like before that, I, I used GarageBand a tiny bit, but I didn't like it. Uh, I saw a video of uh, Ableton. I think it was somebody recreating like one of the Prodigy songs, maybe. I think that was one of the first videos I saw. Nice. Um, and I was just like, okay, that makes sense. Like the way I can see all this, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I just downloaded the demo and... Uh, it's kind of just been Ableton ever since. I, I can't really use other workstations. They're a l- little bit confusing to me. <laughs> it's interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing since earlier you said that synths are so expensive that maybe you don't have any or use any at all right now? Um, in terms of like hardware synths, like real yeah. musical instruments, I, I have a Mo grandmother that I got uh, about two years ago, but it's kind of a little bit broken. It doesn't always work. It's on, it's, it's on the new album a lot. Um, it's used a lot, but it's uh, it's a little funky. It doesn't always work. It's very noisy as well. There's a lot of dust trapped in, but sometimes that's the vibe I'm going for, right? So sometimes it works pretty well. I, I was going to say, all those points that you just had there sound like a real hardware yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's a little noisy. It's not always yeah. perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that's about the experience. Yeah, but that's why, like, with hardware stuff, it's kind of just, like, it's an extra, isn't it? I think the most powerful tool we have is what we're using right now, which is the computers. Like, the computers just do it all. And you can be a purist if you want, and you can say, I'm only going to use analog gear and whatever, but 
I find that the ability of what a computer allows us to do now with music it's just so much more it's just so much more accessible for people to get into it like now there's not really a threshold for entry very much unless you know even just you can get free DAWs and stuff you can make music any way you want now pretty easily and it's just good because I think a hot, like it's like I was mentioning with uh since being expensive right and it's a big commitment it's a big purchase if all you want to do is like blast out a saw wave you don't need to buy something big and expensive if you can literally just get something for free and just start making music on it you too could make music kyle mm-hmm. those those days are well past <laughs> not doing it anymore those uh, days are over <laughs> to 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 flip a subject a non sequitur if you will is it, did you start the chill synth discord was that you or is that somebody else uh yeah 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 i started it nice okay so you took it so nick took it over from you um yeah how, so how how did that come up because chill wait there's electronic music you're you're talking idm you're talking big beat with prodigy and then there's chill synth which is way far down the rabbit hole if you will of electronic music um how did you arrive to that what compelled you to make that server so originally it was just a place for me and my friends to kind of share music with each other and just talk so the the core group of what the chillson discord server originally was was just a place for me and my friends just to hang out it was never really thought out very much it wasn't like oh we've just created the server to be a big thing like didn't really think about it like that the name as well was just kind of chosen randomly like didn't really put very much thought into it it's just what the server was called um so for the first couple of months there wasn't very many people on there there was maybe like 20 people on there and uh that was really good because we all got to like get to know each other a lot more we all got to like share each other's like music and like advice especially like industry advice and stuff like that was really really helpful uh then during like 2019 i think it was like it was all picking up quite a lot on that discord server um there was lots of people joining it and i'm the guy with all the you know it's like oh this is your server you created it so here's these thousands of people now to manage and i was just like well it's not really what i wanted to do (laughs) so uh that's when i gave it to nick and i was like okay you handle this now because I know you're good at this stuff. And uh, I appreciate it from Nick very, very much because he was able to take it to a place that I definitely couldn't have done. And Chillsynth now, the server, it's it's about the community. Like the community yeah. on there is pretty strong. I think people are doing very fun and creative things. Everyone's very nice and friendly. And I think it's great. And I'm, I'm happy to have been a help along the way on making it what it is now. That's got to be a strange thing to happen, to to live with, is like, you did something casually for you and your friends initially. You named it a thing, which is now the name of a genre of music. It's it's, like... uh, uh, Your fault, sorry. Yeah, you did this. (laughs) Uh, uh, And... I I mean, wait, wait, wait. I'll I'll never claim responsibility for, like, being the one who put the, you know, label and created it. It's just the community that did it. It's it's not me. It's it's a whole community of people. It's a whole collaboration of artists and supporters Absolutely. around the world. So it's it's not me at all. Like 
I don't take credit for what Chill Synth is. I think it's more to do with the community as a whole created something that was amazing. For sure. S- you were safe, t- safe answer. It's all you. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> no, not I, at all. No, 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 no. I think it's interesting. It's just because you found you had the ambition to just create a place for people that share a common ideology and taste in music and stuff like that. And it could have been anyone. It could have been someone else of those other 20 people that could have done it. It just happened to be sure. you. So it's a weird yeah. thing that happened. And that's part of your well, legacy. There was, it, it was originally all through SoundCloud DMs because we all used to talk through SoundCloud. Oh, and sure. then it was like, yeah. okay, why are we doing this this way? Because SoundCloud messages are really bad. Yeah. So then we discovered that Discord was a thing and just kind of went from there, really. Nice. And it have it just it's interesting how now, you know, chill synth is really obviously, as you said, is really progressed, is becoming more and more popular. A lot of people, I think, have changed their styles of music to embrace more chill synth. Um, it's an interesting thing. You were there on the ground level just because that's what you were doing. It wasn't any like you want like. Everyone knows that you weren't like in the back planning this thing where you're like, I'm going to take over and make an obscure genre of music and make it really cool. And I'm going to be the, and the forefront of this, like it just, it all came together organically. Um, but it, it must be strange to have a small group of friends and then it, it just really catch on to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, the, the pressures of it got to everyone a little bit because the core group of who we all were chatting with each other and being, you know, just friends, just straight up friends. It all became a bit more uh, difficult to do. Hey there, TPA listeners, Eric here. Sorry for interrupting, but this is the part where we do some shameless self-promotion. And we'd like to give our sincere thanks for listening to the show. And we are just as surprised as you are for listening. But since you're here, we'd like to highly encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, for all things The Paradise Arcade, you can also visit us on theparadisearcade.com. Please like, share, and review our episodes. We like interacting with you. We like to hear your feedback. What's your favorite part of the interview? What you thought was interesting? Who we should get on the show next? Those are all important things that we'd like to hear. And the last thing, if you really like the show and you want more and you want to contribute, you could do something for us. You could find us on Patreon. You can contribute as little or as much as you want. On Patreon, you'll find some exclusive content that we will continue to update. Mostly, we just want to say thanks for listening. We appreciate you. So let's get back to it. It's a motherfucking paradise Do that in a way that felt like what it originally was supposed to be when there's like, you know, just random people who I love them all, but it, it, it can be quite distracting from a creative point of view when you've got you know, notifications going off of people trying to chat to you or like, oh, there's something to be done here. Like, it's just, I'd rather spend that energy and time into making music. And I think that's how all of us who were on there originally kind of felt. And yeah, that's kind of where, it's where I'm at anyway. That's, that's where fair. I was at. When You're I- an artist. You're the guy that makes music and you just happened to do a thing out of almost function. You did something that was functional and it turned into something else. Pretty much, yeah.
I want to talk about um, a transition uh, as far for you where the new album is coming on out on Strat for Court. It's not coming out on Eyewitness. You've obviously you have all of your previous music that's been put at least physically out has been through um, Eyewitness. But talk a little bit about that transition and how that came about. Hopefully that's not too spicy. Or no, don't no, that's if fine. it is. <laughs> no, I got I got big love for Alex at Eyewitness. He actually came out to see me um, and I played him the album. I played him Flying Colors. And we just, you know spoke about it. Um, but we were talking about stuff and I was just honest with him that I thought for me being in California now, Stratford Courts in California, it's all like the place to be is out here. Mm-hmm. I also just like the work that they do. I think they're like just doing really good things. Andrew is is a good guy and he's very supportive of all the artists. So yeah, there was, it, it was nothing nefarious. It was nothing bad. It was just, this is just what felt like the right fit for me at the time. And yeah, Alex was cool with that. It was, it was all fine. It was nothing sinister about it. It was just, this is what's happening now. That makes sense. You're, you're kind of in the, you know, Andrew is, I think maybe by accident, like in the way that you have done, like he's curated a very specific sound that just happened to blow up into what it is now, right? The chill synth sort of thing. Cause you know, in his earlier releases, he was doing future funk and stuff like that. And he's kind of honed in onto what he's about and it makes sense. Admo on Stratford Court makes sense to me. I don't, you know, when those two things together, I'm like, yeah, that I'm surprised it didn't come out or happen sooner. Um, so I'm happy mm-hmm. that you're on that label. And Andrew's a great guy, obviously. Um, so that's, it's just, well, it's I'll, an- I'll just say with, uh, sorry to cut you off there. With, with Eyewitness Records, I wouldn't have even put out any music physically on vinyl if it wasn't for those guys contacting right. me and being like, we love your music. Please, can we do something with it? Because I was like, no. At first, I was like, no, I don't really care about, like, I don't own a record player, so I don't really care. <laughs> right. But then I started to realize, oh, it's not about me and me listening to my music. Yeah. It's about, it's <laughs> about, about other people. You. Yeah, yeah. I, you so. know, <laughs> I didn't mean to shade on, I think, you know, Alex and Andrew came out about the same-ish time, same kind of vision. And, you know, Eyewitness, I think, has really took a swing at things that wouldn't have been put out at all and so i really appreciate what he's done uh with his label and it's really important obviously to the legacy of of chill music in a general sense so that wasn't a, a slight uh, eyewitness at all alex is a great guy of course yeah it was dope meeting him as well because uh he just he was randomly in california and he was like hey do you want to meet up and i was just like okay let's do this and yeah i just I just took him around to some of the... I took him to the same place that I took uh, Nick, actually. And then, yeah, we just like kind of listened to music and just chatted about everything. It was nice. What compelled you to move to California? UK to California. Get ju- I mean, America's a big place. Where in California? I'm in, uh, I'm in Oakland. I'm in Oakland, California. Oh, okay. So uh, I like the scene out here. I like... Uh, one of my favorite artists is uh, Tori Moi, so he's he's out here. Uh, so his like representation of the Bay Area culture, I always thought was pretty cool. Um, I visit out here quite a few times. Spent a lot of time at uh, UC Berkeley, and I just 
really like it here, so I was like, yeah, this is the right move to do. I am infinitely more acquainted with Northern California than I am Southern California. So oh, cool. It, it's good to hear that you are in a place that I know. Oh, sweet, sweet. And visit quite often. Maybe I'll run into you sometime. Aha. Oh, definitely, man, yeah. Where, whereabouts do you go in, uh, in this Bay Area? So I, one of my best friends um, is in San Francisco proper. Used to live by Land's End. Just moved now. I'm not 100% sure of the area, that he, what it's called that he's in right now. But uh, more closer to the ocean, so on the western portion of it. But, uh, you know, when I'm out there, we'll do things. We'll go over to the Oakland side, cross the bridge, do other things like that. So, uh, big fan of the area. Nice. Of, of everything in the Bay Area. Yeah, me too. I love it. Because coming from the UK, like one of the things I like to do is to skateboard. Like I've been skateboarding for years and years and years and years. So coming out here to California was like, you know, skateboarding was invented here. So now I get to skate whenever I want because the weather's always good. And uh, the ground is smooth for the most part. <laughs> Sometimes it's not. Because cause skating in the UK is really hard because it's raining all the time and it's really cold. And the the roads and the pavements are made from like, 1438 you know <laughs> right right uh cobblestone road wouldn't quite do well for that kind of thing exactly yeah exactly so me being a person from the suburbs when i was young i always wanted a skateboard but there was nowhere to skate and there was no one to skate with right and i'm also very old so that was another <laughs> factor on it too is many many years ago it just it never worked out well and i kind of gave up on that uh i don't know if it was unfortunate or not i i feel like if if you like crashed it would be real bad Uh, yeah if i skated now if i went down all my joints would explode into a cloud of dust (laughs) it would not be it would not be a good thing i love how you're talking like go ahead i I slammed pretty hard uh, a few months ago i fell i fell on my head oh right here so I was all swollen up and bruised. So that wasn't much fun. And that, that normally doesn't happen, but uh, things go wrong. And when they go wrong on a skateboard while trying to do a grind down something, sometimes you fall on your face. Yeah. But that's just life. I mean, at least you didn't fall in other more sensitive parts. I mean, you know. Uh, that happens too. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love the YouTube compilations of skateboard fails and like, when it's bad, it's bad. Oh, yeah. It's completely devastating sometimes. <laughs> but just imagine but if, yeah, that was on a, if it was on a bike and you did a similar thing. That would be much worse. I feel like a skateboard, you're a little bit better off. Yeah. I've, I broke my leg on a bike and I broke my wrist on a bike. And I've never broken any bones on a skateboard, so... Therefore, skateboards are safer it's than bikes. Safer. I, there you go. I have yeah. seen a thing where a guy on a bike crashed okay. somehow, and apparently, the combination of that and his jeans being too tight exploded his scrotum. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like it just blew it open. It's balls out. <laughs> oh god! Wow. Yeah, that's so, a new new meaning to the word balls right. out. <laughs> Could be worse. That wouldn't happen on a skateboard, I don't think. 
Uh, I mean, that might be too much information that people want to know about, but I mean, it's not your balls. They're not mine yet. (laughs) Well, you're not getting on a skateboard, so I could get on a bike. You do own a bike. I do own a bike. Although the combination of the bike, my jeans aren't so tight that it might blow my balls. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, stay tuned. Future episodes may <laughs> include something about that. Um, so with this with this album that's taken two, segue. three, segue, I'm just going to like, I write turn it. I, get, I always like r- try to write the ship as far as the conversation goes. Um, so you've spent, you know, 2019 to now... Um, when did you finish the new album and have you started on new things? Have you made it, if you turned the page, if you will, and mm. new creative outlets, are you already moving? So to answer your first question, the album was finished probably about November of last year, November, December. And then um, my friend, Andy, you might know Andy Shand, the musician. You heard his music? It sounds familiar. Okay. Well, and Andy's an incredibly talented musician and an incredibly talented producer. And he messaged me. Uh, he's one of my good friends, so we talk all the time. And he, he let me know that he was interested in doing mastering, like learning mm. how to uh, get better at doing mastering. And it just so happened that it was at the same time where I had this album done and it hadn't been mastered yet. I was going to do it myself, like I've done with all my previous stuff. But for this one, I was like, okay, maybe it's better if I give it to someone else because they might be able to hear things that I'm not and might be able to do things that are different. So then uh, Andy and I, we, you know, sent tracks backwards and forwards with each other of like, okay, here's, here's a version of this song. And I'd be like, okay, well, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound right. And then send it back to Andy. And then, yeah, we just backwards and forwards. Took about probably a month to master the album, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, so yeah, that was that done. And now it's all just kind of in the pipelines of the release process. Uh, so coming out pretty soon. And then in terms of new music, oh yeah. A uh, ton of stuff. There's probably another album in in the way that I've got a lot of music, a lot of music. I'm trying to figure out whether it's going to be whether it's going to be an EP, maybe two EPs. It could even be three EPs if I really want to stretch it out, or it could be another album. It's all kind of in the works right now. But if I go on my, let me just open up my SoundCloud real quick. Like if I go on SoundCloud, that's where I upload. A lot of my demos just as private tracks. Yeah, so I'm not sure how many it says. I'm not sure how many it says that I have on SoundCloud, but on my SoundCloud it says I got 135 tracks. But if you go and look at it from the public point of view, it says 44 tracks. So there you go. You yeah, can work out the difference. Got a there. Fair amount. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a bit of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of stuff, uh, but a lot of those tracks are like duplicates of like the same thing as well. You know, just a different mix. But yeah, the point is, yes, there's there's a lot of music coming out. And it's I'm pretty happy with it, too. So uh, I'm curious from your standpoint, your own experience, the benefits versus drawbacks of releasing EP versus album. Because three EPs versus one album, like why why do you like one or the other? Uh, I really don't think about it that deeply. As you can tell from... <laughs> 
Yeah, as you can probably tell, by the way, my attitude towards things is I try not to put too much thought into it. I'd rather just do it and then whatever the result is from it, great. So if something is a single, you know, I'll go into it with the idea of it being a single. Fantastic. If something's an EP, so Atlantic Drift and 77, they were two EPs with like specific ideas. So it's like, okay, this is what it is. And here is one album, one EP that sounds like this, another EP that sounds like this. And then, so I feel like, you know, I've done that. Then the objective for myself was, okay, let's, let's make an actual album now. Let's do this. And that's what took two years, three years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm really curious about your, the, the mastering process, your self-taught mastering, I am imagining, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Self-taught everything. I, um, the, the only lessons I ever had with music were with, uh, violin yeah. and piano that I mentioned. So with, with mastering, do you have like a particular, like you want it to sound a particular way? I'm really curious about your, the process. I mean, it, to me, it's kind of like magic, like things go into a cauldron and then it comes out. And you're like, here's the thing. That and I've heard, you know, some wild shit is like people have specifically mastered stuff to like, we did this to where it would turn out best if we were listening to like Apple earbuds, whether they're iPods or whatever. Like, this is what we did it to. Like, crazy shit. Like or like that. Brian Wilson only ever mastered anything in mono. He didn't believe in stereo at all. He thought it was a bullshit concept. He still doesn't. I've even heard stories of like uh, some musicians will play their tracks through like an amplifier or something and then record that output with a microphone and then that's the master. I, I've done that once or twice as well, but never as a release track. But to, to answer your question, um, <laughs> it's going to be the same uh, answer for me quite Should a few times. I kind of kind of don't really think about it too much. And I just, it's it's one of the old pieces of advice people always give, but I just use my ears. I just listen. If it sounds good and it sounds pleasing, then I know it's, it, it's good. If it doesn't sound great, if I know that it could use improvement, then I'll either think about it or I'll scrap it or I'll try and make it better. Do you use the, uh, the, the car finishing mastering? Like you put it in the car and you, that's how you know it's done? Yeah, I've, I've heard that as being a thing that people say. And I think that's really good because the car is able to provide basically like a studio environment because uh, not everyone can have that right not everyone can have acoustic paneling and studio monitors and a subwoofer so i think the reason people like that as an idea in terms of like being this is how to test your master is because for most people a vehicle like a car is the closest you can get to to having an actual like acoustically treated studio space i never put those things together before thank you for that that's very illuminating actually <laughs> but to answer your question yeah i do i actually do test my mixes in the car sometimes uh, i actually do it with the uh, listening to music too so with uh, just airpods i got my airpods and i go out skating so i'll make uh, a lot of the new stuff that i've been making i've just made it for myself to go and out and skate to so i'll make like an ep and then just go out and skate to it and then if i you know had a good session on the skateboard then i'm like okay that was a good song and then, if not, because I've I got a studio set up here now too, so I use this space. I've only had this space recently, so since the start of this year, so this space now has gotten pretty good in terms of like room treatment. I got I got a subwoofer and I got some nice speakers. And this is where I know I'm getting a lot more comfortable to the space here now, 
but previous to that, you know, I was not in anything close to what a studio would look like. It was just a, in the corner of my bedroom, really. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, so what was it like working with another person now in your in the depth of your, your tracks, uh, playing around with, with levels and playing around with how things sound? How was that to let someone else in on that, that process? Well, with Andy it's we're, we're very tight together anyway like we've collabed on a track before so we both know each other's music he understands like what i want to do so he gets it and he's also very receptive to uh i guess criticism is the correct word but like corrections and like comments like he's very good at that his ear is really good so he can hear it and yeah it, it was it was fine because at that point with the album anyway, I was kind of like, I don't want to be working on this anymore. Please, someone else do something with it. So I was pretty I was pretty cool with just letting Andy do his work. And he did a fantastic job. Nice. I definitely feel that. Please, somebody else do this for me. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I would feel. Please. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, that's... If I, mean, I hate it, I can just say that. <laughs> you hate everything, though. And I can just say that. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's fair. I mean, it it sounds like you've really been you've had a lot of change. I mean, not just like in a physical location of where you're at, how you're making music to a degree, letting other people in on it, changing label a bit. It sounds like I mean, there's just been a tremendous amount of growth for you last couple of years. Um were you, did you feel compelled um, to expand yourself or was it just another, like, it just felt like, this is what I'm going to do now? So that whole process of the last couple of years, like, I don't really, it's, it's really hard because sometimes I feel like I'm a completely different person and the person I am now, I listen back to like, you know, I listen back to Zero Wave or I listen back to Atlantic Drift and I'm like, wow, like, who even is that guy making that stuff? I don't even identify as them anymore but then when i keep doing my stuff i keep hearing elements of like my old music coming through and it's like okay it is still me and that can be sometimes a struggle i think for most artists when you get deeper into the game the identity that you try and bring along with you it's a little bit difficult because when you first start with no objectives with no one listening really with no one paying attention to what you're doing it's almost easier to just go and do it. And you're in, you're in this, you know, uh, this opportunity zone, I guess I call it, to where like things are possible and might be this way, might be that way. If it goes well, great. If it doesn't, doesn't matter because no one's listening anyway. <laughs> that, that was always <laughs> kind of my attitude going into it. But then, you know, as you know, people do start paying attention, it can be very hard to keep those voices out and to not let external influences change your creative process too deeply because it can all serve as like distracting from why you started in the first place. And I think my advice to all like artists and musicians is to remember the person who started it. The reason why you're still making music today is because of that person that decided this is what I want to do. And that's what I think everyone should go forwards with i'm kind of just rambling on here no but that's that's sage wisdom I yeah like that. i, I feel stuff. like 
I feel like it can be it can be hard, especially as you know you're getting older and you've got life going on and things are things are happening in the world and you know things have changed. It's not the same as how it was. It can be hard to keep the identity of who you are forwards, but if you just keep going, keep trying, don't let it get to you too much. It'll be all right. Yeah, that's. I mean, it sounds like you've reached. You've come to peace with those things a bit, because I would imagine you've been around long enough. You have sort of the legacy pedigree of whatever this thing is, and um, I, I'm just yeah, I was curious how that would affect. How do you block people out from what they want? You know, like I because some people like myself, I tend to get a little more like "fuck you," I'm going to do what I want to do. Don't tell me what to do. I was going to say, I block myself out of doing what I want to do more than anyone else. <laughs> and then there's Kyle. So it's interesting. How do you stay true to your own voice? And it sounds like you've got a good way to remind yourself of like, this is why I'm here in the first place. This is what I'm doing. Um, and to stay true to that is going to, is going to do you well in the long run. Because that's why people started to listen in the first place. Exactly, yeah. I feel like as well with music, for me, because it, it's very personal to me, all of my stuff. So when I listen back to tracks from like two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, it's like communicating with my past self. It's like being able to like have an understanding with who I was at that point in time. And that's kind of what I want to do going forwards is I just want to create stuff that is me in the moment. And then in the future, I can look back on it and be like, okay, that, that was me. And this is still me now. So it's all good. <laughs> Do you ever listen to things in the past and get overwhelmed with emotion? I, at least for myself, I've, I've put out some album albums a long time ago um, that were created in a very specific time and mindset that weren't necessarily great. And so when I go back and listen to that music, it reminds me of all of that, all the stuff I was going through and, and having memories and emotions of, of that time. Um, is it the same? Do you have that same kind of thing where you reconnect with your former self? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think it touches on, you know, the wordlessness that I was talking about because the human brain it registers music in a completely different part to like speech or just random sounds <clears throat> like it it goes deep into our memories and it triggers something that is a lot more fundamental to i guess the closest thing would be like our soul like our spirit i think it touches more on that than just you know the shell of who we are like who you see from the outside i think music particularly connects with a deeper part of who we are and that's how, by creating your own music, my own music, it's a way of expressing that outwards. And then hopefully either getting other people to relate to that. And for me personally, it's to be able to transport myself back, you know, to my bedroom in the UK or back to like wherever I was, like making any of the tracks and trying to like, I guess at the time, it's just the process of doing it. And then afterwards, it's more about understanding it about why I did that or why it sounded like that or even like why I named the track the name that it is wow that's all that's incredible 
insight and thoughts. Um, and I like, I really resonate with some of the things that you're saying, uh, everything that you're saying really. Um, and so that's, it, it seems like in a weird way you do the things for yourself and then it becomes about connecting with other people, sort of like recognition, being recognized, being seen, but then also like recognizing yourself through music of, of your own past. It's really a complex thing. Music is wonderful. That's what I'm saying. I agree. It, it's forever as well, right? So yeah. <clears throat> hopefully my music will outlast me and it will keep going, you know, when I'm long gone and people will still be listening to the same little synthy, synthy sounds <laughs> way off in the future. That's my aim anyway. Well, that's awesome. I really appreciate your time, uh, Atmo. Um, thank you for coming on. That's just, I mean, it, it's, it's great to connect with you on that level and talk to you about your music on that level. Um, so I really appreciate your time today and, and stop it in and talk to us. You know, until next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle. Thanks, Atmo. Thanks, Eric and Kyle. Cheers. All right. So